Hey, welcome everybody to the UGA Sports Live podcast. My name is Roddy DeBulsi. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan, the former Georgia uh, Bulldogs head football coach, the Hall of Famer, the star of the show, the main attraction, the number one guy in your hearts, uh, the guy who just got back from uh, visiting the family out west. And so we're glad to have Coach back in town. It's where you can join us on the show. It means a lot to us. And, of course, uh, we're joined by you, our viewers, our loyal viewers, and we want to uh, wish you all a Merry Christmas and hope you have a wonderful New Year. We hope you have a great New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve, Georgia will be facing Michigan in the college football playoffs, and we're going to talk about that a lot today. As part of that uh, uh, discussion, uh, we will, of course, talk about quarterbacks and game plans and all that fun stuff. So if you have a question, get your question into the chat area there. I'm coming to you live from Classic City Eats in Watkinsville, one of my favorite places. They've been a sponsor of our show since we started. And uh, if you are looking for a place to come grab a quick bite while, you know, come watch the game on Friday night or come uh, enjoy uh, a respite from the uh, holiday feastings, you know, all the stuff going on with the family, just want to get out and uh, not have to cook or not eat leftovers, swing by Classic City Eats. They'll take care of you. And, of course, we want to give a shout-out to our other sponsors as well, Academia Brewing Company, uh, Your Pie, uh, Dead Soxy, and of course our folks over at Athens Ford who will be sponsoring the watch-along show that we will have this Friday night with Coach and Dane and myself. So be sure to tune into that coming up. Uh, part of the uh, festivities that go along with a bowl game like this is there a chance to speak to the offensive and defensive coordinators. Kirby normally does not make those guys available throughout the season. He does all the talking and lets us talk to players. And we spoke to some players today. But yesterday we got uh, Dan Lanning, the defensive coordinator, and today we got Todd Munkin. I think the landing stuff is kind of interesting, but more interesting to me is the Todd Munkin stuff because getting the chance to pepper Todd Munkin about his offense, um, and he took a lot of questions. And he uh, soldiered through, did a great job, I thought. Uh, uh, I just want to get Coach Donna's take on uh, the Todd Munkin press conference and uh, your overall impressions of how he handled the grilling. Yeah, the first thing that I would say is, in a preface to this, is just the fact that people on our site uh, really pay for information and they like to know what's going on. And I'm not one to give them much except my ideas, but uh, you deserve a lot of credit for, uh, you know, being out on a limb, so to speak, as far as having an opinion that was contrary to most people about Stetson and, uh, and what, what everybody thought and all these ideas, which is okay. That's part of everybody needs an opinion. But I think the fact that both of you were so uh, consistent in your uh, appraisal of the situation and c comparing the facts. And uh, I think to me, you deserve a lot of credit for that. And that's why people should maybe listen to you a little more in the future, because you're basically basing on fact and basing on uh, production and, I felt like that Todd really did an excellent job of uh, articulating to uh, the, all the media that really wanted to have his thoughts on what was going on, which I will take credit for this, saying that Todd Munkin, Jim, uh, he, uh, whoever the coordinator is, is going to make the call, and the head coach can certainly overturn that if he wants to. But that, that's why you have coaches to, that work with it, and that's why you pay them the big bucks. So Kirby's taking a lot of grief on all this, uh, you know. But the bottom line is we're in a national championship hunt for the second six years, which we've never been since 1980. So maybe these coaches know more than what some of the people think. So let's listen to Todd Munkin 
articulate very gracefully when people are trying to make their own case about things, why he did what he did. You know, I think Stetson at times I'm talking about me have probably undervalued his skill set. Um, you know, we've tried to, to elevate guys that have talent <clears throat> on our roster. And we do that at every position. And some guys just combat, uh, combat that and fight and scratch and continue to play well and try to prove you wrong. And that's what Stetson Bennett did. And it wasn't really anything JT did. It was more along the lines of what Stetson did that we thought gave us the best chance to win. His ability, his mobility, <clears throat> his ability, those things in the run game and in the pass game when things break down, uh, we believe give us the best chance to win. There's really nothing that JT did. And it just happened where Stetson got an opportunity, took advantage of that opportunity. We continued to win. Um, it never really ended up flipping the other way. I can't say that because they're they're really talented players. Carson Beck's a talented player. Brock Vandergrift's a talented player. Sometimes opportunity leads to, you know, things that end up going in your direction. Is a, I don't know if I said that exactly right, but it just it never went back the other way where JT got a chance to get in there, and uh, so it's just the way it is, you know. And and we believe that he gives us the best chance to win in, in a couple of those things of what I've said. Coach, when I heard that, my first thought was, what do you mean he didn't get a chance to get back in there? But he was asked specifically about that later on in the press conference. He said, look, yeah, we have competition, you know, for all the positions for, you know, offense, you know, offensive, the running backs, you know, they fight for carries, the wide receivers fight for carries, the quarterbacks fight for the same thing, you know, for the playing time. Uh, but, I, and so he clarified it later on, but he's basically saying that, you know, everyone wanted to know why, uh, JT Daniels didn't take back over when he was healthy, and he basically said, "Look, uh, we undervalued Stetson Bennett. We did, you know, we had him kind of pigeonholed as this level of talent. We evaluate all the guys." He said, "Some guys fight back against that," and he said, "It's not what JT did; it was what Stetson did. Stetson came in, grabbed the spot, took the opportunity, and ran with it, and never looked back, and never really." He kept the gap between he and JT Daniels from JT when he was unhealthy to Stetson healthy. Uh, he kept that gap even when JT came back. And I think that was as good an explanation as we've gotten about this. Uh, give me your yeah, thoughts. I mean, really, seriously, everybody wants the explanation. But, you know, when you when you don't have the ability to talk to them, then you know, everything, random thoughts, whatever it might be, you just have a lot of uh, people having their opinion. So I, I think closing the closure here is – he took the bull by the horns and he did everything necessary to help our team win. Regardless of who the opponent was, he played well. He didn't have a great game against Alabama, that's for sure. Nobody really did. Uh, Brock Bowers maybe, but, you know, he did good enough to put us in a position to win. And Dane did a great job of showing some stats, which I think, what was that you said? Uh, in the two games we lost to Alabama, uh, what, what was the defensive points that we gave up? Uh, I mean, it was 84 points and like 1,100 yards on defense given up total. Yeah, you. I mean, you're not going to win with Tom Brady against that uh, usually. But here's the point that I always try to talk to, and I'm, I mentioned it to a, a young coach here the other day. You, you can't really live in the past except to take what happened and, and make sure that you try to get it going the next time you get a chance. So 
fortunately for us, you know, we've had a, a great season, won a lot of games, and uh, we're still in the hunt. There's four teams left, and uh, there's no need to dwell on that until after the season's over at this point. I, I mean, I'm excited about the game. I put the Pointer Sisters on this morning. I listened to it on YouTube. Uh, it jacks me up, and people say, hey, well, hey, uh, that's a song that jacks me up because I'm that these kids deserve a chance to prove that they're a really good team and uh, and and find a way to to uh, get into that to the final game so hopefully we can put that to rest but i think the big thing that, that i got from listening to todd was when he first got here and he told me this you know he was thinking that he was going to go with that transfer or maybe then he got another transfer in JT so he had to give from Wake Forest and that was what that's what he's looking at so then that kid didn't make it through and we didn't have spring practice. All they had was fall camp and you can't work four guys in fall camp. So the pecking order, he let Dwan go out there. He was ahead of him because he, you know, and he did pretty good. I thought he had a really good fall camp and then he kind of didn't work out. And then Stetson jumped in there. And then the same thing happened last year. Stetson got hurt. We played some lesser teams and JT played good. He might've played good against us, but then he won the job. And then, Consequently, we came back with the same issue in the fall. JT got hurt, and Stetson was behind the eight ball behind these other guys that were really, really, you know, more uh, suited to what Todd was trying to do. And then he realized we couldn't do it, so he, he knew he could win with Stetson, at least with the, what he did last year, and that's what he did. And, hey, let's go for it now. Let's defense. Let's cover some guys. Let's don't make mental errors. Let's don't give up gazillion yards and let's see if our defense pressures a quarterback i feel good about us going against michigan kind of like kentucky you know built like kentucky running team with a fairly good quarterback defense big front secondary not all overwhelming you know i look for us to gash these guys i really think we'll get after their ass i want to bring up another clip from uh, Todd Monk and talking about Stetson Bennett because one of the things, one of the criticisms that we hear is, well, we've seen what Stetson's performance is against Alabama. He's done it twice, same score, same result, not looking at all the other variables, but here's what Todd Munkin had to say about Stetson Bennett and can Georgia win a national championship with him. If you look at the plays that he's made, he's made national championship plays. He has. You just turn on the film and look at some of the throws he makes, some of the decisions he makes, the things he does with his feet. I mean, there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind we can win the national championship, and we have a. There, there's no doubt in my mind we can win it with Stetson Bennett. There's no. There's no question. We went into the championship game with Stetson Bennett, our quarterback, as a favorite, as a favorite, over a team that hadn't been an underdog in five years. That'll, that ought to tell you a lot about our quarterback and how he played. And some reason we get into this stereotyping of players based on where they were at some point. Okay, at some point, be it a, uh, one was a walk-on, one was a five-star, one was whatever. If you just look at the production and what he's done for our football team, it's impressive. It's impressive. I love what he said there because it's it's really, I think, part of this discussion with these two the whole time is that there was a time where Stetson Bennett was a two-star, where he was a walk-on at Georgia. There was a time where JT Daniels was a five-star out of California that everybody wanted. And guess what? They ended up at the same spot. 
And it really doesn't say much other than Stetson Bennett has really, really elevated his game in his time in college football. Not saying that JT Daniels hasn't, but all that's happened is that Stetson Bennett, as you said, coach, and as Todd Munkin said, saw the opportunity. And, and once he got that opportunity, really seized upon it. And he's played well since. I think you're. If you had, if you didn't have that quote, I was going to read it. I was actually pulling it up on the phone on my uh, laptop here because this is the people will sometimes say, you know, you're defending Stetson Bennett. I'm like, I'm not defending Stetson Bennett. I'm just trying to say, I've spoken to people inside the program. We're the outlet that broke the news that Stetson Bennett was going to start when everyone said it was going to be Carson back. We got that right because we talked to people inside the program. Then we asked them, of course, why, and they said, well, he's good. We're like, yeah, but that's, you know, he lost to Florida last year. He lost Alabama last year, you know, and they said, well, so did the defense. And so, in other words, I've always pointed out that, uh, yeah, he lost tough games, but then the defense didn't play well either. And, yes, uh, JT Daniels is 7-0 and as a starter at Georgia, but he's also beat some really weak teams. Point being, I've always said, look, just hold both guys to the same uh, level, the same, you know, if you're going to discount – if you're only going to look at the bad games and only look at the good games, you know, do to treat them both the same way. And I think that Todd Munkin hit it right there. We said, look, we, we get locked into stereotyping these guys. One was a, you know, walk-on, one was a five-star. And what I see all the time are these two questions, coach. I see, why are we starting a walk-on over a five-star? And I think Dane just explained very He's much that. scholarship. Yeah, I know. But, but it's, it's that's, it's, again, it's the stereotype. He's still in people's minds. He is a walk-on, and this guy's a five-star. So there's different than they say. Why wasn't wasn't he the starter coming into the season if he's so much better? And I keep saying, look, it's not that he was light years better. It's that, as Todd Monk had said in the press conference, we undervalued him. We had him. You got got that. I mean, we got it. That's that's right. That's it. He said some guys – Outplay, he outplayed his. Uh, he outplayed our perception yeah. of him, and he did. I think he when he earned. got his chance, he showed what his ability was. He made dramatic improvement. Yeah. He was doing good as friend. But here's the thing that I want to say to all the dog, the people on the dog vet. As an ex coach, it put a lot of time in here. The coach Kirby Smart, that you know, hey, I, I'm going to tell you these three words: Are you coachable? You know what that means? When the coach says something, you don't have a barrier. You don't have anything in your mind. You're going to do what the coach says because he's in charge until somebody else is coaching. So if you're coachable and he says run 1040s, you run 1040. If he says do this, you do that. There's no barriers. Those kids believe in Kirby. They believe in Munkin. And by God, our People out here need to believe in him until. I don't think we lost him. I think we lost his internet there for a second. We'll get Coach back in here when uh, internet comes back up. I'm going to remove him from he, here. He, he does, he does. Oh, there he is. Okay. Internet broke down, Coach, a little bit. Well, everybody got pissed because I said, are you coachable? And they cut me off. <laughs> That's a good um, point, isn't it? It absolutely is. Hey, that's the number one thing they said about Eric Stokes. Again, here's a guy who came in at the very last second. Jordan Davis, you know, a four-star guy. A lot of people had him as a three-star. We had him as a four-star. And 
everyone crows about an Eric Stokes who comes in as a three-star track guy who hardly played any cornerback at all is a first-round draft pick and is killing it for the Packers because he was coachable. Everybody that talked about it said this guy takes coaching. Mel Tucker said it. Uh, uh, I forgot. Somebody else was talking about how coachable he was. Uh, Charles Warren uh, spoke about how coachable he is. He just takes it. He's like a sponge that soaks it up. And that's not, not to say that the quarterbacks aren't, but we get really excited when a – you know, a guy who may have been undervalued performs bigger than he is. Now, sure, you can hit a limitation. There may be a limitation with Stetson Bennett. He has not fared well in some of those big games. But go back to the first thing that Todd Munkin said when asked about why are you starting Stetson Bennett over JT Daniels, he said the same thing Kirby Smart says. He says he gives us a better chance to win. It may be 51-49. It may, it's not night and day difference, but – for what they need to do, and especially against a team like uh, Michigan coming up with their pass rushers, maybe that mobility and that ability to scramble, run those bootlegs, run those naked boots, run those RPOs, run those uh, design quarterback runs if necessary. Maybe that guy gives you a slightly better chance to win, and therefore he is your guy. So, again, I'm not trying to defend one way there. I don't care. I'm just saying if you look at it, if you talk to people inside the program, as you said, coach, they believe in him. The players believe in him. The coaches believe in him. The coaches aren't going to, they're not trying to do this for a storyline. They're trying to do it to win the damn game. So, sorry, I'll get off my soapbox here. Just, uh, <laughs> well, last by. thing, I, I want to get to a clip of real yeah. quick, the last one we have of Stetson Bennett talking about some of this. And look, when it comes to being a quarterback at Georgia, there's a lot of stuff away from the football field that gets really tough to deal with for someone that, that's young at that age with that level of, Recogni- they're recognized everywhere. They're scrutinized everywhere. Uh, for Bennett in particular, I mean, this is a, a kid that grew up going to Georgia games, and so there's a lot of negative around the moment that should be some of the most positive memories he'll have in his whole life. And the same for JT Daniels on the other end of this. So the question comes to Stetson Bennett, how are you handling all that comes with these discussions has happened for months and months and months and months of people saying you're not good enough, you're yada, yada, yada. The stuff that we've seen on the dog vent, we've seen on Twitter, how is the actual quarterback in these games handling it? You can't put any value on people who really have no clue what they're talking about talking. Um, I wouldn't listen to myself if I was given a speech on heart surgery. Um, not comparing football to heart surgery, but it's the same kind of gist. Um, so why would I listen to somebody who doesn't do this for a living and just watches it happen? It just, it really doesn't bother me. Um, it's a bit frustrating sometimes, I guess. Um, but like I said, I don't, I don't have social media. I don't, you know, so I don't wallow in it. I don't sit in it. I don't, um, think about it. All I'm thinking about is beating Michigan, um, and being the best quarterback I can be. And, Coach, I think you're a quarterback guy. You know what goes into that position, the psychology of it. I think you have to like at least that mindset that he's talking about, that I'm not trying to pay attention to all that stuff. Yeah, I'm sure uh, he doesn't, but there's other people that probably tell him. But if all the players feel good about him, and, and I would say some of them maybe don't, there's always going to be a few guys that are, have their favorites, but – it's just it's just ridiculous to think that Kirby like somebody wrote that Kirby plays him because he's a walk on and Kirby you know wanted to prove to him that he could make it. I mean he's playing the best guy. Munkin's playing the best guy. I mean, what do we need to do? Get a lot of detector tests in here now? I mean, 
let's go on and enjoy this 35 minutes here. I mean, we, we, we've, uh, we putting this in the graveyard here. Let's, let's uh, put it in the graveyard. Well, then let's move on to some uh, Georgia and Michigan talk. But uh, before we get to that, uh, Roddy, why don't you tell us about some of the folks who make this show possible? Well, I was going to mention our friends over at uh, Dead Soxie. Um, let me pull up their uh, site here real quick. Do want to mention our uh, the deal they have going on over there? You get 20, 30, 40% off of their quality socks. So if you did not get socks for Christmas, or if you still have yet to enjoy a uh, Christmas or a holiday get together with family and you still need a uh, present or two, swing by our, our friends at Dead Soxie. They will take care of you. They have fantastic uh, items. Uh, for the Georgia fan in your life, or also if they're an LSU fan or an Ole Miss fan or an Alabama fan, they will also, they got you covered there as well. Uh, if you need the no-show socks that I would like to wear, they have them. They have uh, dress socks for, you know, if you need to be fancy. Uh, if you just want to be stylish, they got that as well. I'm going to pull up the, the college ones here. Uh, they're also working with our friends over at the 7-6. They do uh, great stuff with them as well. So uh, true true state technology with their socks. They don't fall down. They have the uh, all the Georgia designs. So you're going to look good. And again, when you, they started with us, Georgia went 12-0. and 0. I'm not saying it's uh, cause and effect, but eh, you, you can't discount it at all. So uh, I appreciate that. also want to mention our friends over at the Academy Brewing Company. Uh, that's going to be a great place to watch the game this coming Friday night. Uh, they have a um, uh, watch party going on. It's a New Year's Eve watch party. It's 25 bucks. If you go out there, you get access to their private room where they'll be playing the game on their giant projector. They have dinner for you. They have a pint of beer, and they'll let you even keep the glass when you're done. So you're going to get food, beer, the game, a great New Year's Eve watch party. It's all for 25 bucks out at Academia Brewing Company. Uh, jump on that. Check out their bus that they've uh, souped up out there when you get a chance. It is a fantastic bus. So they sent me a clip of that the other day. It's, fan. it's just a, a riot. So check out the uh, uh, our friends at Academia Brewing Company get a lot of great beers on New Year's Eve. Watch Georgia beat uh, Michigan and have a great time with great food and great fun out there at uh, on the west side of Athens if you get a chance. All right, Coach, let's start our uh, look at Michigan. And for me, when we looked at Michigan or what Georgia's offense might have to do against Michigan, it all starts with Aiden Hutchinson and him being an edge rusher. So let's start on Michigan's defense, what you've seen from them throughout this season and what Georgia can exploit. Well, they do a really good job of pressuring you. Both the, both he and the other guy on the other side are both people that, you know, you're going to have to set up to uh, contain them and make sure that they don't disrupt your running game and passing game. But have capabilities of doing that. Well, we did a good job against Anderson for the most part in the uh, championship game that, you know, he didn't make a lot of plays behind the line. So uh, avoid lost yardage plays, take care of the ball. You listen to Todd talk about about uh, non-turnovers, although there, he can always point out times when we weren't. But but I really think that they're going to have a hard time matching up with Bowers, with their secondary, with, uh, with the same thing that everybody has trouble with, uh, Cook out of the backfield. And just uh, go in there and play your normal and uh, – we got a lot of weapons, and then of course having the, the fact that uh, George Pickens is going to be available. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about it. You hate that a guy got COVID, but uh, at the same time, uh, he wasn't out there uh, taking a chance of hurting his knee. That was like five or six days he didn't have to work out, so he, he'll be in good shape. We got 20 reps in the championship game. I look for him to get more in this one. 
and that'll really take a lot of pressure off the other receivers. So, uh, I, uh, one of my neighbors, when I was today told me that Roddy had made a, that he saw that Roddy said we were going to have everybody on our two D plan. So I'm glad to hear that from you, Roddy. Uh, I didn't know that, but as long as we got our top 44 out there, just read our site. Damn. I can't, I don't, I can't get on it. I got, I, I can't afford it. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to send him the next holiday deal. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, really, I know you're busy, man. I got it. No, it's pretty good, though. I mean, I got I got people telling me I don't like to read that bullshit. But uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, not just that, but I just don't. Every time I cut on, somebody's griping about when you let me log on. But here's the thing: I just feel like our defense has got to be showtime. We got to get back and get pressure and play more aggressive. Uh, we played very passive worrying about those two receivers, which we should have, but that, you know, we don't have the people at, uh, we'll see a situation where I think maybe Brainy will come back in there and play the power star guy and, and not worry so much and be really good on the run. And hopefully Chris Smith is full speed too, that, you know, that'll help us back there in the secondary too. We, but uh, in the big games, I've always felt like this. When you got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, He's got to play like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You know what I mean? The same thing's true for our players. Our stars have to come out, you know, like that song, There's a Moon Out Tonight. There's got to be some stars out tonight that Jordan Davis destroys the center, N'Kobe Dean in open space. I mean, we got to have our big-time players play big-time and have a good kicking game, and we'll be all right. They got a good kicking game. But, you know, the bottom line is – they can't, this team came out of nowhere. Michigan, they, they weren't even right when the season started. Everybody's talking about Harbaugh. This is his last year. He took a big cut in salary just to have one more year. They changed their whole staff. Uh, I mean, they, they have a tremendous coaching job, but uh, they don't have the veteran coaches that we do. Uh, I like the matchup coaching-wise, offense versus defense, defense versus offense, special teams. That's why we're favored, and uh, I think we'll play really well. Brent Rollins and I did a film don't lie analysis on Michigan's offense. Looked at four games, including Ohio State, including a little bit of Iowa, some Penn State. Uh, I think Michigan State as well, because obviously Michigan State's defense is going to be most like what George is going to throw at them with Mel Tucker. A couple things that we noticed that I want people to know about. One, when Michigan brings a man in motion, most teams send them out either for a flare pass or, or just to see zone or man. Michigan uses those motion men as blockers at the line of scrimmage, sometimes between the tackles. So when you start seeing, usually it's like a tight end or, or an H-back, kind of move to the middle in motion, that's going to be a blocker 99% of the time, at least as we saw it. Uh, other than that, you can look for about two flea flickers a game. This was a common thing that Michigan did. They've got three talented running backs, and they will toss back uh, for a deep shot. Literally, it happened in three of the four games that we looked at, and a couple of those twice. So Michigan's going to take shots down the field. Michigan's going to try to do the bully ball thing, but th this is not a one-dimensional team, at least from what we saw, and the quarterback play at Michigan has improved each game of the year uh, to the point that Ohio State really couldn't stop them. Yeah. Coach, how do you counter that when they're coming in with that uh, guy in motion all of a sudden, you know, you got that extra blocker right there between, you know, in your uh, B gap and he's going to go pick somebody up. Well, one of the things you, you do uh, on that is have some predetermined calls where you'll slant your front 
that way, you know, you, you can give an either or call based on the way he goes and try to uh, outflank the, the, out, the person at the point of attack. Or you can just crash your outside guys and try to get him before he turns up. We got uh, we got a, several times this year where our man in motion didn't take crashing in. So you can either make a move or you can slant them or you can just play head up and just knock them back, which we do a pretty good job with Carter and uh, Wyatt and, and uh, Walker. They all do a good job of, of what we call controlling their gaps. And But uh, – you know, their their offensive line got the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in the country. So, I mean, that, that's pretty impressive. But uh, I just yeah. – I just think – How good are they? That, that, that's- I think it's really important to re- recognize, though, that we're talking about Big Ten. You know, like Alan I- Iverson said, we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We're talking about Big Ten. We're talking about Big Ten. I mean, that's the way I, I want to give that emphasis here. Uh, I like I like our chances. I really do. I mean, I mean, well, I, feel, I mean, everybody can bust me, but I mean, I would be shocked if we don't beat these guys. I mean, it'll be I'll be very disappointed. I was worried about Alabama. I told you, Roddy, off there. Yeah. I was worried about who we were playing, trying to play too much, man, but. You know, hey, sometimes you do that. Um, you know, that's you, you. You go for it, and it didn't work out. So, but I, I'm, I'm James Brown on this game. I feel good. Roddy, you ask about the offensive line at Michigan. From what we saw, better on the interior, a little mm-hmm. shaky on the edge. So I would say Nolan Smith in this game has quite the opportunity. And you wonder how much. Uh, and I think we saw in the Alabama game partly how much missing Adam Anderson hurts you especially you know for a guy who could also play that star role and who is just your that elite pass rusher huge but, huge yeah i mean it, he's probably your you know first guy taken on in your draft and he's not there and he's not going to be there the rest of the way and that's 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 big for georgia but when i hear about how great this team runs the ball and again i just don't understand i don't know the transit property i mean it, it sounds like they can't be stopped they lost one game to mel tucker's michigan state squad and they the team that I was worried about most in the entire uh, playoff uh, potential uh, potentialities was uh, Ohio State, and they beat them. And I'm like, wow. So this is a team that can really run it and just shove it down your throats. And Georgia hasn't faced an offensive line this good or a pair of running backs like this. But, again, as you say, Coach, they're good in the Big Ten. How good are they? What did they compare to the SEC? So that, I guess that was my question, Bane, was they sound great, but how good are they really? Are they really – Unbeatable, you know. I just didn't know. Ohio, was, State, uh, Ohio State's defense, so all year was the real stickler for them. It was terrible, and they gave up yeah. over 300 yards rushing to uh, Michigan. Uh, yeah. We're not going to give up that kind of rushing yards to to anybody. Uh, we just got to play our game. It gets back to Socrates, know thyself, man. Get in there and use your stuff. How much communication with Mel Tucker do y'all think is happening right now? I mean, I think Nolan Smith said he's been texting with him a little bit, you know, in preparation for this game. Yeah, I, I just mean, wonder as good, a whole. Good point. Uh, you know, Jay Johnson, I'm sure, uh, was here, and he, he could talk about what they did against him. I thought they did a really good job. I watched the tape of that game. They used a lot of tempo on Michigan. I mean, they got lined up quickly, and uh, sometimes when you have a new defensive staff or new team, 
you know, you, your ability to communicate. And I think this McCoy guy's done a good job. But the point is, uh, going tempo hurt Michigan in that game. And then the running back, good Lord, I mean, he ran up and down the field on the game. It was impressive. Uh, but he's, here's the other thing that's going to happen that you see it all around. The games are getting canceled and got a kid from Ohio State's out there at the Rose Bowl and decided he's not going to play today. I mean, he's, hey, he's been practicing, but, hey, I'm going pro. <laughs> you just never know some of these games. No, so, uh, Hutchinson probably going to declare tomorrow. He's going to not. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we can always hope. Uh, Coach, how do you think that uh, Mike McDonald is going to attack Georgia's offense? Uh, Mike McDonald, former Georgia uh, defensive analyst, great guy. Uh, knew him when he was up in uh, – knew him when he was here. Uh, uh, saw him when he was up in Baltimore. He's uh, come on like gangbusters for them. Uh, did Alabama – show you how to beat Georgia's offense? Is there anything he can duplicate? Well, the thing that Alabama did so good uh, kept us off the field, their offense, and then uh, got ahead where we, you know, we didn't have the threat of the run. That's what you need to do. I mean, we're not a good come-from-behind team as far as just pure passing show pass. I'd I like to see, like you said, a little bit more movement with our passing game. Uh, that's what Stetson does best, but uh, he does play under center and creates a lot of good play action, which I think we can we can get after their safeties. I, I really think our safe their safeties are good players, but that's why I mentioned Bowers. I mean, care who's who they got. I mean, Bowers is the real deal, and uh, you know what's impressive here is just the who's who of uh, guys that were here in Georgia. The Jets coach was a GA here. And this guy was here. Uh, they've done well, and they got trained well uh, here at Georgia. So uh, a lot of guys around the league have have gotten their uh, ability to get, get coaching by coaching here at Georgia, whether it be under Coach Rick or me or whoever it might be. I wonder how much does – we heard that practice has been very spirited this week. The guys are you know, really uh, getting after it. They have a – point to prove the defensive guys came out and said, yeah, you know, we, we, we kind of need to reclaim our mantle, if you will. Uh, they were a little humbled by the way that the Alabama game went down. Uh, is there an extra emphasis right now on, Hey, you know, that game, that Alabama game has left a bad taste in our mouth for almost a, literally a month. I, you got to wonder what the, uh, how fired up these guys are coach. Yeah, I think that that's a real good uh, starting point. But they're point, like I say, you got to forget that game and get back to your fundamentals. I think what Kirby always does when you get ready for a bowl game or a championship game is you just you've been off and you just try to get. I mean, I'm talking about you taking off a few days for exams or whatever it might be. But then you come back and you just kind of go against each other for four or five days trying to. Uh, get your football genes going, so to speak, and then you start putting the emphasis on your opponent. So, but the bad thing for our team is if you're on the offense, you're going against our defense every day, which is hammer and tong, and they're mad anyhow about Alabama. So, uh, it had to be good for the defense, but but the offense is challenged too. You know, like you hear a guy like Warren McClendon talk about, hey, I can go against these guys every day, you know, or, or like Van Pran going against the the center, you know, going against Davis. But, uh, and, you know, somebody said something about Van Pran had a cast in his hand. 
He's had a cast on his hand since he was born, I think. He's had one on his hand for two months out there, and it hasn't affected him at all. So he'll be okay in this game. But uh, just a lot of people looking for stuff. But the other thing that's good is, which I was excited about, uh, the couple of days that I went over there, was uh, watching some of these younger guys get some reps after the, 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 the varsity, so to speak, had worked out. They stayed out there kind of like a spring practice. And you see some of these young guys, and it's pretty impressive. I mean, athletically to see the guys running around, which I love to see how they've developed from their first being there to now, you know, like coming in as a young pup, and now they've had a whole year on the scout team, and now they're starting to really look out, look like the kind of player you thought they'd be. And the other thing is just – uh, make my mouth water, I got to say. Look at some of these guys like Mikel, Mike, was it Michael Williams? Michael Williams, yeah. five-star defensive end. Yeah. Uh, I can say this now because he's already here, but the day that they were there for practice when they were still getting recruited, uh, him and the guy from, uh, from Miami that uh, committed to us that's not here, were there and uh, we talked and everything. I, you know, I give them those, but hey, I was Kirby's coach. I'm looking forward to coming up here, all that stuff, which I was true about. I said, these guys are going to treat you right. And, you know, I was recruiting the heck out of them over there on the sideline. But I took a picture with those two and I sent it to you, Roddy, because I know you can't put it out. But it was, you know, and I'm fairly tall. I mean, I'm not a midget, but these guys, I mean, come on. They you look, look better. You look like one in that picture, though. There you go. Seriously, they look better than anybody we got at defensive end right now. Both of those guys, Nola Smith's a good-looking kid. Uh, I mean, they look like Anderson, but filled out both yeah. of them, and uh, made me really excited. And then Kirby, I told him that both those guys are going to come, and he said he figured that anyhow. But I, I just said, hey, you got the not not of approval from your old coach. But it was fun <laughs> talking to those guys. And then the kid, and I'm telling you stuff on. This show that you'd never hear. I no. talked to that kid from uh, uh, from uh, Cub School. The, what's his name? Uh, AJ, uh, the linebacker and running back. I mean, he looks like uh, Nick Cedric Chubb. Washington. Yeah, he looks like Nick Chubb again, but a lot more. You know, Nick was very reserved. This kid, he was over there watching the drills and. And simulating them and everything. I said, look, I said, you're going to be able to do that here in a couple of days. He said, I can't wait, coach, but I'm on my official visit, but I'll be here next week. And and he, and you just take him and that kid from Salisbury, that Walker. Walker, those two kids, I mean, our linebackers are, are outstanding. Nicobe Dean, I mean, he won the Buckets Award. But both these guys, Nicobe looked small compared to them. I mean, they, they're – so those four guys right now are coming in on our defense, along with the, the ones that I met when they were here and I was eating lunch over there and saw them. I mean, I can relate to that as compared to watching a little little deal up there, a five-star or profile. But uh, the one thing I can say as an old coach, you can look in a kid's eye and see what kind of guy he is, like Channing Tindall when he was here or Davis – they got that gleam in their eye. They want to be a bulldog. 
and or wherever you're coaching, they want to be a sooner. They want to be on the thunder. That means a lot too. Every one of those kids can't wait to play for Georgia. And that that's, and I can't wait to see them too, because they look better on the hoof than the guys we got out there. Which is in the country. And these guys look better at linebacker and defensive end than the guys we got lined up out there. Now, if you can just get those same guys to show up in the uh, uh, before signing day, if they just add a you know maybe another safety, maybe add a, another wide receiver. You have it. Gutter Stockton will, will be in Athens soon if, if he's not uh, there already. We mentioned he and Oscar Delp and uh, Delp looked good too. I mean, yeah. he looked like to me uh, like Todd Hartley said one thing about Delp. And I said, "What's that?" He said, "He acts like he belongs here." And which that means a lot, you know. A kid yeah. just jumps in there, not worried about. But they can't play in the game. But they—that's a real good thing to have those kids come by and work out and get the, you know, get the cobwebs out and understand what what the standards are. I mean, we got a high standard of practice here. I mean, I would have probably, I would have probably quit if I had to practice like that when I was playing. Uh, yeah, they also had Malachi Starks out there, coach, the, the true athletes, you know, just one of the best athletes we've seen in a long time, and uh, Denylon Morissette, the uh, wide he's, receiver. He's a, he's playing in a ball game under assumed name. <laughs> <laughs> we'll absolutely take it. Uh, we'll take that any minute. Roddy, uh, I did. Well, I, I know you're pulling up, uh, you know, a, a, another sponsor shout out, but I wanted to quickly answer a question that, that you posed a second ago about just Georgia being ready to get on a field, ready to avenge the loss against Alabama. You can't beat Alabama in the Orange Bowl. That is not possible. No. But Georgia can beat Georgia in the Orange Bowl. If Georgia doesn't play well enough, Michigan is a good enough team to win that game. And so if you try too hard to beat Alabama, you may not get the chance to do it. This is what I'm just, saying. Yeah, I just want to be sure that, you know, that there was questions. If you based the approach to this game on the mood of the fan base, which you, I'm not saying you would, but it's just a lot of fatalism you out do, there. A lot. You do, Mr. I, Negative. I just said, there's a lot of people that are just, they're just like, ah, oh, this, you know, it's, it's all over. And I'm thinking, I'm not getting that vibe from the team. We're hearing that they're pretty anxious and pretty excited. And these players are saying, look, we want to redeem ourselves. So, again, that doesn't get you an automatic first down. It doesn't give you the ball. It doesn't change possession. It doesn't Here's the thing, drive, Here's the thing man. Know they're going after. Cincinnati. Internet cliffhanger. Yeah. Hey, Coach, hang on to that it's, thought. We'll bring it's, it's not. Coach, restart at Cincinnati. You buffered, Coach. So restart Cincinnati. Go. Well, they got they got eight. Eight's not playing. He's not going to play. Mitchy for Alabama is not in that game. Be, they got two corners. We saw what those corners could do last year. Prior to our game, and I don't think either one of them played in the game, did he? I mean, one of them was hurt, and another one, uh, I don't know. But they got guys a high draft choice, so uh, they'll. It's going to be interesting. Uh, they rushed the passer well, and their quarterback is very good. Uh, I, I think they'll play them tough. I'll take a rematch of the Peach Bowl from last year for the national title. That sounds fun to me. Well, the other thing with Georgia fans complaining right now, as we're recording this, Auburn is is losing to Houston in the Birmingham Bowl. And that so, like – <laughs> no, but Georgia, Georgia, need, Georgia fans that are complaining and finding things to complain about – 
probably ought to kind of take a step back and say there's about 140 other college football teams that love to be sure. in the spot that Georgia's in right now. They it's do, they great know. to be a Florida Gator. No, it's not. <laughs> Oh, losing to UCF. Wow. I get, but I mean, see, they, they, they're going to lead the nation in transfer portal, I can tell you that. But the Schneid and Freude of that only goes so far because the, you can point out how bad, you know, Florida lost to UCF. You can point out Auburn losing, and then that Auburn fan in your office goes 1980, and Georgia fans lose their damn mind. So I get it. Uh, I, I'm with the Georgia people in this one. It doesn't matter that uh, the other teams suck. Your team has to win the title. I get that, and that's uh, that comes Friday Friday evening. So uh, hopefully we'll see them uh, tear through Michigan, uh, get back on track, get back to their winning ways. This team had one really bad hiccup, but remember going into this game, they were going into that last game, they were twelve and zero, and they got there for a reason. That defense put them there, and that defense should show up Friday night. So let's see what uh, Michigan's vaunted offense and offensive running game can do against Georgia's the best part of Georgia's defense, which is stopping the run. So we're going to have quite the battle there. A game that you can watch with us on our YouTube channel, the UGA yeah. Sports Watch Along Show with Jim Donnan. We sync it up with your second screen experience so you can get our commentary live during the game uh, if you don't want to hear the announcers, who I believe in this game, it's uh, Fowler and Herb Street. So nice guys, but they don't follow George every day like we do. Yeah, they, they've done our shows in the past, but I do want to point out our friends, if you're looking for a, a good vehicle to pick up and you need a uh, want to start off the new year with a new ride, check out our friends at Athens Ford. They have almost 350 vehicles, more than that, on the lot. I know there are a, a, if you go around the state, if you go around northeast Georgia and you're trying to find vehicles, there are a lot of dealerships that are, they don't have any. Uh, it's tough to find vehicles. Our friends out at Athens Ford have plenty of them. They have new ones, they have pre-owned vehicles, and basically all their new ones and the vast majority of their pre-owned ones are going to come with a lifetime powertrain warranty. You can't get that anywhere else. So you're going to get a great vehicle that's reliable at a really low price. Our friends at Athens Ford are going to take care of you. You're going to get great customer service. And if you just need service on your current vehicle, hit them up out there. They will take care of it. You know, they will do brake work, uh, tires, oil, you know, any engine problems you have on any of your vehicles. The folks out at Athens Ford will take care of you. They're also big in the community. Uh, we need to go out to see the, uh, the lights display out of the Georgia Botanical Gardens. The mayor sponsoring that. They also gave out 140 uh, new bicycles to the to the uh, Athens area uh, kids in need. So uh, check out the friends out at Athens Ford. They are going to take care of you and do a great job uh, of making you uh, making you a customer for life. I guarantee you, you try them once, you will never want to go anywhere else. I also want to mention our friends at Europie. Uh, I know that if anybody's going to be watching this game, just uh, with Rabbit intensity will be Drew and Natalie French, the uh, founders of Europie. Uh, Drew has tons of franchise opportunities. So if you want a great uh, business, you know, you're like, hey, it's the new year. I want to do something new. I'm tired of my job. Hey, reach out to Europie about a franchise opportunity. They take off. They make you a ton of money. I know a guy that's got two of them. Uh, he was already well-to-do to begin with. Now he's ridiculously rich, and I hate his guts, even though he's a friend of mine. But when you get a chance, uh, if you don't, even if you don't want to start a new franchise, don't want to start a new business, Try our friends at Europie. They will take care of you when it comes to your New Year's Eve uh, bowl-watching uh, uh, food needs, you know, your catering needs. They can take care of it. So hit up our friends. Hey, if you do it today on Tuesday, it's double points day. So use the app and get uh, a great deal from our friends at Europie. Yeah, I want to just throw in something there for Europie, too, because uh, every once in a while I'll just uh, have a – I won't – 
get something to go, I'll actually go in and sit down and just, uh, I, I sent uh, Drew a uh, text last night. I was just impressed with the, the whole congeniality of the, the, the young people working in there. They really looked, seemed like they loved their job and they were very, very much uh, concerned about service oriented, but everybody knows how good the pizza is. You just pick out what you want. If you, if it's not what you want, they'll, they'll, they'll put it, find a way to make it look like it. And it's just, uh, you know, when you, when you go in there or you get something to go, you're always going to get the best shot. And that's what I like. I mean, Hey, consistency and uh, just a tremendous sense of, uh, of wanting to please the customer, which I can tell you if, if I wasn't pleased, I wouldn't have said what I just said. No. <laughs> Let's get to some of the uh, comments from Facebook and YouTube. If you have questions before we wrap up on uh, the show in the last 10 or 15 minutes here, please let us know this from Robert Moody says he'll be watching with us on Friday with the UGA sports watch along show says he likes the film that live breakdown says that Georgia will beat Michigan, but Alabama will be tough because Nick Saban is the evil genius now. Uh, here is a question from Greg Hendricks. Hey, Coach, do you think Georgia will use a lot of screen passes with Michigan rushing the edge a lot? Yeah, I mean, sir, we're not a big pure screen team. We do throw some balls behind the line, but you got to do some stuff to control them by putting guys in motion or, uh, you know, influencing them or something. Uh, we, we've got to do a, a really good job, of, as I talked in the get-go here, of knowing who these rushers are and, and having somebody assigned to them. But at the same time, uh, they got to play, too, against like some good blockers. I mean, Salyer looked good in the bowl game – I mean, the first game, and we got some other guys coming up here that'll that'll do a good job. Uh, and McClendon uh, had a good game, too, in a lot of ways. So we'll, we'll be okay against these guys. I mean, it's like anything. They're going to make a few plays, but you just got to control the ones that they do. What are you worried about, Roddy? Because I, I, I see it on your face a little bit. Like you said before Alabama game, you didn't you, you had that feeling that Munsonitis. What, what what are you I worried do. about with Michigan? When we walked into the watch along, what's the first thing I said to you? I said I, I don't feel good about this for Georgia. I, I said Georgia's gonna lose this game. I just because everything was going everyone's talking about how much Georgia was gonna win, how much they're gonna win by, and all the narratives were that way, and that's all Alabama heard for a week. And they had they had they were playing for their postseason life. Where Georgia had a mulligan, the Georgia blues segment didn't matter, and Alabama played like it. Georgia played like it. So, going into this one, what I'm worried about is I, I, just my c- complete unfamiliarity with our with Michigan. I mean, I, I've, I've watched your breakdowns, and you guys point out a lot of stuff. I just don't know is a fantastic offensive line in the Big Ten. How does that match up with a Jordan Davis? How does that make a match up with a Jalen Carter? You know, and normally I think they don't stand a chance, but then Alabama's offensive line. Was we were told wasn't going to stand a chance, and shit, they did pretty good. So, I, my month tonight is, is based on complete unfamiliarity. That's why I'm so excited to do the show with Coach today. I'm like, Coach, tell me, tell me, tell me what's going on. I don't know. And when he says he feels good, he's been right 99.9 percent of the time. So I feel a lot better after hearing Coach talk about, hey, this is a, uh, you know, Big Ten. We're talking about <laughs> Big Ten. We're talking about Big Ten. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's, I feel a lot better now. So my month's nights has lifted a bit. And again, I, I do think that this is a situation where Nicobe Dean has pride. Jalen Carter has pride. Latavius Brini has pride. Uh, Lewis Seen, pride. They got torched for 500 plus yards and 40 points. And they're going to take that out on somebody, just like 
you know, Alabama's going to take uh, that SEC championship game, all the uh, the doubt on them. Uh, these guys want a rematch. Here's, well, a things, here's a couple of things that helped Alabama, though. They're, they're not playing on the road in that game. The crowd noise that affected them in the Auburn game was was huge because yeah. they, they got the edge rush, speed rush. They changed a lot of their protections to, to more zone to take away our twist. They backed their line up off the ball a little bit so they could set better. And, you know, they they got some big plays on our bust, I mean, without yeah. even doing anything. I mean, uh, you got three busts where nobody's covering the guy. So, uh, and you count the fact that they got the Heisman Trophy winner playing quarterback. So, who played out of his mind? Absolutely. Well, and it looked like Georgia's defensive line was concerned of Bryce Young scrambling or at least extending plays to the point you had, you know, defensive tackles standing up playing kind of a faux spy. You're not going to see that against Michigan because that is not a threat from Michigan as a running quarterback. At least, I mean, they play two guys. The, the primary one is not going to be a threat there. Michigan is going to rotate three running backs, and they're all pretty good. Uh, Michigan can run the ball. Uh, but w- what I think, you know, a lot of people are branding this. It's like, oh, Georgia, hard-nosed running team, and Michigan, hard-nosed running team. What happens when they clash? I, mean, I would not be surprised if Georgia comes and throws it around the yard. I really would not be surprised by that at all. Uh, you can on their safeties. I mean, I, that's the way it goes. Well, we got any more questions here? Uh, mostly about quarterback stuff, and, and frankly, we discussed all of it. So. I, I do want to touch on one of the things in here. It's, uh, there's a lot of – and I see some of these in the chat, and I'm not going to give them the light of day. There's some ridiculously stupid-ass uh, theories about – and conspiracy theories about JT Daniels taking Kirby off or there being an issue with the family and the parents being involved and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm just here to tell you folks – it comes down to X's and O's and why I've been so adamant about, um, again, I don't, and I've been accused of giving Kirby a pass so that we don't get our credentials taken away. Kirby can't take away our credentials. It, it won't happen. It doesn't matter. I've, we break bad news. We broke the bad news about JT Daniels and George Pickens uh, testing positive for COVID. We, we break bad news about arrests. We break bad news all the damn time. We're known as the <laughs> a, a site who breaks news. We're not covering for anybody in this. And if there were, hey, I a- said, listen, I said Kirby. I mean, I never get. It. I said I thought we played too much man in the game. So yeah. hey, that's, no, that's you I absolutely mean, you call it like you see it. And you didn't I'm, call me out for it. No, I'm just saying if there's a um, if there were some nefarious. Uh, situation that had happened between JT Daniels and Kirby Smart or Todd Munkin, we'd report it. But guess what? There's not one. They genuinely think, and I thought, I, I think Kirby has done himself a disservice by not letting Todd Munkin speak more because when Todd Munkin gets out there, he articulates his decision making and the philosophy very well. He is going to be a, I mean, he's already been a head coach, but he's going to be a fantastic head coach somewhere. Uh, he's great with the media, and I think he helps people see what he sees and i thought that he did a great job explaining what's going on and it just comes down to the fact that like he said uh we misevaluated him that was that was my bad i didn't have enough time with him and as you said coach they're planning they're planning on playing jimmy newman they're planning on playing this guy and it just didn't work out and he's going forward he got out of his stereotype as well and said this is guy i'm sticking with it wasn't any of these uh nefarious uh things you see in the group chat about uh, trainers and ticking Kirby off. None of that happened. I'm sorry. I know it's it's a great uh, lifetime movie, but uh, that's 
that's not that's not reality. The reality is that they like this guy slightly better, and Hatsu's going to be starting Friday. So if you see stuff out there about uh, what really happened, what's behind the scenes, there is a behind the scenes. There's a reason Jordan Davis is playing more than Zion Logue. They like him better. Um, I want to get to a couple comments here before we wrap. Uh, so this is Michael Eagle C. He says he has no idea, honestly, how Georgia and Michigan is going to be. They haven't played since the 60s, which I think is an <laughs> important point. Fair. That like 1965, yeah. Yeah, but like this is a really cool college football thing. These are two of the most storied legacy programs in a while. So enjoy that, too, yeah. that like these teams don't get together very much. And so it's kind of cool when it does happen. I love the playoffs. Uh, from a strategy coach, I think you touched on this for a second. Bobby Alvester asked, does Breeny play more this week at star with Michigan's run game? Yeah, you would think he would. Uh, I'm sure they've been working some other guys in there to uh, work on the pass covers, which we can do with moving Smith down and uh, putting Jackson back at safety too, like we did against Tennessee. But they, they don't present near the – wide formations and all that stuff. I mean, you got to stop the run against Michigan. I mean, that's their bread and butter. Uh, they'd like play action passes off of it, but uh, you know, it's just not a team that uh, that's going to spread you out a lot. So I, I think Brady will be, be in his uh, area code on that. I mean, he, he, that's kind of in his niche to play. Play the run and play the pass. It's funny you say that uh, Mike Donalds was said one of his concerns about Georgia was Georgia's running all the play action they run. Yeah, I mean, we we said that earlier in the show. Uh, where were you? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just said, he, was look, he was looking at that buffalo chicken salad. Yeah, well, yeah that buffalo chicken salad. But I was like, he, oh, he was. Uh, he I was, was I adamant about get, that. I need to get one job into you, Roddy. I mean, <laughs> I appreciate you, it. You've been yeah. you've been right so much, and you need to just quit. You got no other chance because you're going to be wrong. Been, uh, hey, uh, stop clocks right once a day at least. Yeah. Well, you know, one point that I'll, I'll make just as as I wrap on this. Two of the times I thought Georgia was most successful offensively against Alabama is when you just threw it up to let George Pickens make a play, and you threw it up and you let Darnell Washington make a play. If you combine those with all the times that Brock Bowers did, I think Georgia's got a really good chance here to, to be explosive offensively, which is what I think a lot of fans want to see. So yeah. use those weapons. I have a question about Darnell. Does he have a speed limit on his jersey like, like you can't? throw it to him but once that's the yeah. limit because <laughs> he i mean is that in his contract uh, coming here hey we throw you one a game but uh i would just be facetious. but hopefully we can you know we had fitzpatrick on that little switch play uh very good off of i, I think that's going to be a good formation for us having three receivers in like that three tight ends we really look good doing that uh, and the thing about it they're so worried about covering bowers that they they can't support the run, you know, on that tight little bunch look, and then he run the ball with Cooker. I think a guy really is, is time for him to come back a little bit. You know, the last couple of games, White hadn't been getting the ball quite as much, and I, I could see him jumping out in this game and, and getting some good power runs. Amen. I agree. Well, with that, uh, let's find out who your mouth-watering player of the game would be then, Coach. My mouth-watering play in the game is Joe Stonecrab because all those guys are down there eating Joe Stonecrab, <laughs> uh, sending me pictures of it, and it really chaps me because uh, we went there three straight years at the Orange Bowl when I was at Oklahoma, and uh, 
I got a lifetime deal there at Joe's because I went over there so many times. Uh, Mary was saying, hey, let's don't go to Joe's tonight. I said, we're going, you know. Uh, it was unbelievable how many times we went over three years. But, uh, I mean, it's just a delicate little deal there. That you, The thing we had, too, was we had Barry Switzer. Uh, when Barry walked in, they opened the floodgates. Man, we didn't have to worry about any kind of waiting time or anything. So it's bad down there. But my mouthwatering, just the, the memories of playing in the Orange Bowl, the great way they treat you, the uh, Julio Iglesias story that I told before when everybody, we were up in the, the uh, uh, hospitality suite the, the night before the game, and Julio was playing down in the in the big uh, ballroom downstairs in the Fountain Blue, and our our guy there, the guy that took care of us, said, "Hey, I got you know, tickets for Julio. I got tickets for Julio." <laughs> Kept saying it all, and finally Switzer said, "Hey, we're playing for the national freaking championship. We don't give a shit about Julio." <laughs> So we uh, we had a good time down there. That was good, but uh, unfortunately they can't do a lot because of COVID. But uh, yeah. I, I congratulate our staff and Ron Corson and all the doc Kirby the way he's worked. I, I mean we've had very limited COVID uh, when you look at some of these teams. So good job of uh, taking care of your kids. Yeah, and I'll go touch back on that. We we did report earlier today that as it stands today, we do not believe that anybody on Georgia's too deep. Will be having will be out due to COVID and the fact that it's everywhere. You got teams canceling games, uh, entire position groups, and you have games being canceled. The fact that you basically had two guys test positive, unreal. Yeah, oh, and it hurts these know, teams. I'm not sure about that now. If you're okay. saying two, but uh, we could be more. But here's the there could point. be more. There's the two that we know of. I but here's the deal. Uh, they got to go through one more test, and that's on. Uh, if you don't have symptoms, then it's just the unvaccinated guys, and we don't have many of those. So that's a good point. Good point. So, uh, hey, this I guess we'll have a show uh, next week, hopefully getting ready for the national championship. But I would hope that people would watch our watch-along show. Uh, it's, uh, it's going to be very good. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be the Boy Scout for you this week. Because my ass is prepared to tell you what's going to happen. I'm prepared. I love it. Yeah, that's good because I never show up prepared at all. I just show up and start drinking. So that's, uh, that's, that's what's good about being the boss. All right, folks. I appreciate everybody tuning in. We will see you for the Watch Long Show this Friday. Uh, Dan, what time are we going to start that off? Um, we usually start about 15 minutes before kickoff. It may – it's – Look at Twitter. We'll figure it out. I'm in New Orleans right now, man. Don't be Slacker. trying to ask me questions. Slacker. Anyway, shout out to our friends at Athens Ford uh, for sponsoring the show. And, of course, uh, your pie. Uh, grab a pizza today or a sandwich or a salad when you get a chance. Our friends out at uh, Academia Brew Company, a great place to watch the game or the watch along with us if you want to uh, do that as well. And, of course, our friends at Dead Soxy. Uh, get those Christmas gifts. Get those late gifts. Get those New Year's gifts. Hell, look good for the new year. So grab you a set of the new, uh, Dead Soxy socks when you get a chance. Uh, and a shout out to Jason Simmons and the folks out there at Dead Soxy for a uh, fantastic sponsorship. We appreciate all them. For Dane Young and Jim Donnan, I'm Roddy DeBolsey. We will see you.